Hello, this is Michael Dubin with Living Skills. In our time together in this podcast, I would like to talk about perfect. Now, perfect used to be reserved and used as a superlative indicating that something was exceptional or had surpassed expectations in some way. Now, it substitutes for okay. Perfect. I clearly remember when I started hearing the response perfect to pretty much anything said in a conversational exchange. Could be on the phone with customer service about my computer or the cable company. And as they are asking me to try different things to get everything working, I would respond that I'd done what they said to do. Perfect was the response every time. Well, I tell a friend, I've got to go to the grocery store tomorrow. Perfect. Then I thought I'd pick up uh, the extension cord I've been eating. Perfect. I want to see if my big right toe will fit in my left nostril. Perfect. Now, perfect used to be reserved and used as a superlative indicating something was exceptional or had surpassed expectations in some way. Now it substitutes for okay. You know, at first, hearing the word more than I was used to was oddly comforting. We all like praise for doing well, but as it became more ubiquitous, it became oddly disconcerting. Things were being referred to as being perfect, but those things didn't rise to a level where perfection should even have been a consideration. Now, I'm reading in the press that the drive for individual perfectionist tendencies has become widespread and problematic since the early aughts. There is an article entitled, Perfectionism is Increasing Over Time, a Meta-Analysis of Birth Cohort Differences from 1989 to 2016, and it was published in the Psychological Bulletin of the American Psychological Association in 2017. The authors, Thomas Curran of the University of Bath and Andrew P. Hill of York St. John University, write, quote, From the 1980s onward, neoliberal governance in the United States, Canada, and the UK has emphasized competitive individualism, and people have seemingly responded in kind by agitating to perfect themselves and their lifestyles. Cross-temporal meta-analysis revealed that levels of self-oriented perfectionism, socially prescribed perfectionism, and other-oriented perfectionism have linearly increased. The findings indicate that recent generations of young people perceive that others are more demanding of them, are more demanding of others, and are more demanding of themselves. End quote. While there are societal pressures eliciting this kind of behavior, let's take a step back and have a look at how misleading and potentially dangerous this striving ultimately is. Often, when we feel we have to do something perfectly, or do everything perfectly, we immediately run into two problems. First, perfect is the enemy of good enough. In truth, good enough is good enough. Why? Because, problem number two, for something to be perfect, it must remain unchanging Static. Perfection is a static state. Works of art like a Monet painting are perfect because they hang on a wall 
and never change. They are perfect just the way they are. Humans are constantly growing and changing and evolving. We are imperfect. Therefore, it is neither possible nor desirable for us to remain fixed because we learn, we change, we grow. Someone says, I have the perfect solution, and therefore, they mean, we must do it this way. Or they say, I have the perfect idea or perfect concept. The problem herein is that once something has been deemed perfect, it's given no room to change and evolve. We get so caught up in something being the one true way that it almost becomes dogma versus a living, breathing process. We block out learning along the way. We can become absolutist rather than giving ourselves the space to explore and learn. Why must something be perfect in order to merit taking action? Why isn't it enough that a solution or an idea is practical or workable or even just a good interim step? Are we allowed to make missteps or mistakes? Well, of course we are. Whose rules are these that we can't? How else can we learn? Where else would the motivation come from to take risks and try new things? The one thing I have learned as absolute truth is that when I make a mistake, I need to be the one to hold my hand up and say, yeah, I did it, and then ask for help or forgiveness or both. People will break their backs to help you. Now, they won't if you make excuses, try to place blame elsewhere, deny responsibility, or whine about how hard something is, but admit something isn't working or didn't work and, here, let me help you, will be the response. And next time, and the time after that, and the time after that, you'll get better and better and better at problem solving or coming up with better courses of action, both personally and professionally. Very often, when we feel we must do something perfectly, what we are telling ourselves is that we don't trust ourselves or our judgment, our thought processes, the quality of our work, our ability to honestly communicate in relationships, or our ability to be and do good enough. Think about what has become a stock answer to the interview question, what is your greatest weakness? And of course, the stock response is, I tend to be a perfectionist in my work. Now, the problem here is that not only is it a cop-out answer, it can hide tendencies of being unyielding, intemperate, uncooperative, or unwilling to see other people's point of view. Beneath that, what is the fear? If we are not perfect at work, what will happen? Will we be disciplined, demoted, ostracized, fired? In that process, we will in some way undermine our own judgment and ability to think critically or creatively, and we will undermine our ability to trust our own work. And it is us doing it to ourselves. Now, how realistic are those fears? Yeah, the workplace is competitive, and in too many workplaces, there is the idea that we are all replaceable in a moment's notice. Well, Schmendrick made a mistake or their work was less than perfect, so let's get rid of them. Is that the kind of place you'd want to work? Are the people you work for really like that? Any great inventor, thinker, 
writer, etc., will tell you that they failed many times along the way to their greatest successes, as it was those mistakes and the places where they felt short that they learned and changed their perspectives, or got new ideas or new inspiration, or found a new direction or solution. In relationships, how can you or anybody possibly be perfect? What you will most likely do is wind up doing one of two things. One is that you will walk on eggshells around your friends or family or significant other. I mean, heaven forbid you say or do the wrong thing, right? You could piss them off or make them unhappy, and then they won't like or love you anymore. Or will they betray or abandon or humiliate you because you weren't perfect? Or you accept whatever they throw at you, good and bad, so as not to jeopardize your standing with them and potentially lose the relationship. You wind up diminishing or invalidating your own needs in the relationship so as not to be demanding and therefore less than perfect. Or you lose yourself completely in trying to meet all of their needs so that they deem you the perfect friend, perfect partner, perfect relative, perfect parent. Think about the people who try to be the perfect parent. They often fall into the trap of trying to be their kid's best friend instead of the person who teaches them how to best make their way through life and what it means to be fully and completely human in the very best sense of what that can mean. Teaching them to love and care and have compassion for themselves and others, encouraging their dreams, being there when they fall short, and also teaching them that everything in life comes with consequences, both good and bad, depending on the choices made. Thus, teach them how to make good choices. But nowhere in any of that is there the demand of doing it perfectly and thus being the perfect parent. Think about the stress we place on ourselves when we hold ourselves to the standard of perfection. We're telling ourselves, I must succeed in doing the impossible. The stress of that eventually wears us down and affects our physical, emotional, and mental health. We become anxious, fearful, undermining our strengths and abilities, and what we know as our own sound judgment. We begin to question and doubt ourselves, and self-doubt, whether you are doubting yourself or making someone else doubt themselves is very damaging. Yes, be skeptical so that you can re-examine the way you approach your life and its problems. And yes, learn from that re-examination and that willingness to see things differently. But swan diving into self-doubt because you can't be perfect is a no-win proposition. The demand of being perfect has been shown to lead to things like eating disorders and PTSD. It has also been linked to such issues as bulimia, anorexia, depression, anxiety, and more. It is not a healthy behavior, and yet I can hear someone thinking, well, at least we know what can happen. Perfect. Certainly, in life, strive to do your best. Putting your best foot forward, in that sense, at work or with friends or family, and most importantly with yourself, is a good thing. It means that you are open to doing better with everything you do, learning along the way, 
but also enjoying the journey in a way that demanding perfection will never allow. Some days you will be glorious in your achievements, and other days, meh. Welcome to the human experience. Winston Churchill put it best, quote, to improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often, end quote. Change is really the only constant in life, as much as we may tell ourselves we hate change. And when we learn that we can improve almost anything in our lives, just a little bit every day, then we have opened the door to the potential of ongoing happiness and continued success. I hope you have found this podcast of use. If you have any questions or comments or want more information about Living Skills, please feel free to email me at livingskillsinc at gmail.com or contact me through my website, www.livingskills.pro. At Living Skills, we offer positive psychology and transpersonal psychology coaching and counseling, spiritual coaching and counseling, and psychological skills training and education. We are especially sensitive to the needs of the LGBTQ community and also the millennial and Gen Z generations, but our services and skills are applicable to and we work with everyone. The COVID pandemic has been hard on all of us. If you want or need someone to talk to, we offer a free 45-minute introductory first session. The Problem with Humans podcast is now available on my site, livingskills.pro, as well as Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and will tell friends and colleagues about it. Please join me again in the future. This is Michael Dubin in Atlanta. Thanks for listening.